Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We're in 1 Kings 10 and just kind of going through this whole, well, it's going to be two books. Right. What we count as two books. One big book. First and second Kings. Kings. Um, And so we've kind of gotten to this, I think we've already had the crescendo. Right. We have. And now we're kind of, it's still seeming pretty good, but we're starting to see some things. Chinks in the armor. That seem to be going wrong in Solomon's reign. That's what we're seeing. But we still are seeing good things, like you said. So mm-hmm. it's not that there, there's this mixture now. And ever since we started chapter 9, and the Lord met with Solomon, and went back, back and forth with him again, like he had done in chapter 3, now we start seeing right after that that mm, he hasn't stayed completely. It seems like he hasn't stayed completely with his heart sold out yeah. to God like he should have. He might and we're be just getting, getting a little bit more carried away with, with now. being worldly, yes. with looking worldly, being worldly, being Which, like is easy to do. Yes. When all of God's favor is on you and you start to kind of feel yes. like it's you doing it. And That's right. So typologically, we're seeing that the church, the kingdom of peace, is starting to have some issues with looking more worldly, with right. acting more worldly, being more mm-hmm. like Egypt than it is like God's people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're thinking as we're reading this. We're going, okay, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to the church? What does this mean for our kingdom of peace? Well, this is what happens. You don't usually just fall off the cliff right away. You just start inching mm-hmm. where you should little go. Things. And yeah, right. little things that wind up putting you in a bad place. So we want to keep moving fast and not going um, right, and not getting bogged down today. We're going to go to where we wound up last time, which we were right in the middle of the Queen of Sheba and her visit, right. which, which is, is a, a beautiful thing. part. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's this wonderful, wonderful thing happening. And what a, what a glorious thing that Yahweh, that word of Yahweh and the answers that can be found of his kingdom have made it out into the wider Gentile world. And now Gentiles are streaming to Israel to into the midst of God's people to find answers for their greatest questions. Everybody from kings and queens to everyone else are, mm-hmm. are streaming to find out. And she's totally impressed. With what she's she so amazed so by it all um, that yeah. she's breathless. Yeah, exactly. And that was so, the last thing that we kind of talked about. Yeah. So we'll start reading in chapter 10, verse 6, and let's read through verse 13 uh, okay. to just wrap this part up. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came when my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almug wood and precious stones, and the king made of the almug wood 
supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almagwood has come or been, uh, been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what, he, what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. Wow. Okay, so beautiful description of what happens when the queen comes. This is really, really wonderful. We're getting to tack on to what we had said last time. We're going on now that she was she was breathless in verse 5. Then when she does start talking, she's like, this is incredible. I had never thought that it could actually be true. I had heard these great things, but now my eyes have seen it in verse 7. And behold, the half was not told to me. I didn't know the half of it. I thought, you know, what I heard was outlandish. I thought what I heard was like crazy. Mm-hmm. How could it be that great? Now I'm here and I see that it is unbelievably even better than that. Even that, that, that wasn't even half of what the greatness is. This is typologically, I know this may be hard for some of us to believe, typologically, this is the experience that we hope people have when they come into God's kingdom, the church. That they come in and they experience such a marvelous thing that they're like, okay, I had heard people have had of people having great experiences with this this group of people, this place, this the way people act when they're together um, in the name of God. But I had I I thought that sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm here, I realize it's even better than I was told. I had no idea it could be this good. And every now and then we get it right. Every now and then the church gets it right. I think we just don't realize, we forget the greatness that we have to offer. Yes. And the beauty that is there. Yep. And we get bogged down in details and, you know, all of that. And we forget that this is the kingdom of peace is what we have to offer. Exactly. To those who don't know. And so I, I think you're right. We do. We just get bogged down. We we ourselves start forgetting just how unbelievably good we have it. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's saying in verse uh, 8 and following. When she's saying, happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Your that's servants us are even standing happy before to be, Jesus, yeah. continually hearing. I mean, there's never a time we don't get to stand before him and hear his wisdom. and be. You know, if we're not making the most of that, that's our fault, not Right. else's. We should be realized, we should be happy all the time. We should be feel blessed all the time that we have access to a king who is that wise and who is willing to answer our questions and, and generous, give us a great, generous, giving us a great place to be, to serve in the greatest possible positions, places we're made for. I mean, all of this should be read through that time. And who executes lens. justice and righteousness. Yes. Oh, yes. What so, a fantastic yeah. thing. Exactly. exactly. Mm. Love, love, love this. Um, so this description is just beyond words. Easily, I could, you know, do a sermon on this and how great <laughs> it, what the what the church should hope to be and hope to live up to is found right here. But first, then, we have to turn our eyes to see it too. Mm-hmm, yeah. So yeah, we're there's to, the first step for us is yeah. to remember the greatness. Yeah. For sure. Gaze upon it. <laughs> So then she gives this unbelievable gift, and, and that's what he, what that paragraph ends with in verse 10, is that never again came such an abundance of spices. She gives 120 talents of gold. Which was the she, same amount that Hiram gave just in this given. last chapter. That's right. Uh, and, and has that 12 attached to it, you know, so a kingdom, kind of a kingdom idea attached to it. 
But never again such a great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance uh, of spices as those that the Queen of Sheba gave Solomon. So it's talking about the amazing gift that she gives because she has been overwhelmed by what she has seen. She gives this tribute gift to Yahweh. That's really what she's、right. doing. She's giving a, an incredible tribute gift to Yahweh because she's so impressed. We're getting to hear a little bit of her. Ah,、uh, this is this is her heart being turned toward Yahweh because of she she is so overwhelmed by this. This is very much an evangelistic moment. I I agree with Peter Lightheart on this. I think we're seeing an evangelistic moment as the kingdom reaches into the world and it's really beautiful. Comes,、uh, and how King Solomon、this. just lavishes everything she desires on her and yes, he's going to、uh, gives her above and beyond. Yep. Verse thirteen.、Uh, yeah. Verse thirteen.、Yeah. He turns around and gives her even more. Than she would normally get or had asked for.、Right. I mean, he just lavished. Well, that sounds like the Holy Spirit. That sounds like the way you know, good gifts are given when you turn your heart toward the Lord. So she's getting more than she's giving,、um, and that's ha.、Uh, go on and on. Anyway, and then so, right in the middle of that, it tells us about her again. This weird statement about Almagwood, which we've never heard of before and we'll never hear of again in Scripture.、Um, this. Different kind of wood, this interesting kind of wood that's been given, which is a gift. Again, the reason it's put here is because it's a gift like none other that will be given again. Right, these two、that's、things are right. These two things are right together. These, these are amazing the gifts, gifts that people are giving. People are giving because they're overwhelmed by what they've seen.、Right. Uh, and it's and not because King Solomon is lacking. No, right. It's just because their hearts are so moved that they want to get the very best. There's nothing they want. They want to give. Best, greatest, most amazing gifts because and they want to have peace with this king. Yes, absolutely. They want to be at peace with this king, and so in that way, Solomon does represent again our Christ eye. He's our Christ eye with all his great wisdom, and people want to have peace with him, and they want to give their very best to him and to to this king. Okay, so that is a beautiful, beautiful piece. That's going to actually be our last piece of goodness. That we're going to see. It's going to start going in a different direction. Very different direction. It comes. It smacks us in the face in the very next verse. But before we read that, we have to read Deuteronomy seventeen, fourteen through twenty. Right. So we have read one verse in there a couple times, but yeah. But here we have the whole thing summed up for us. God is being very clear what's going to happen in Israel one day. Uh, you're going to have a king, and he's going to be tempted to do these three things, and these are three things he cannot do. And he's going to so we're going to listen to that. This is way back when they were just about to leave the wilderness and enter into the promised land. One day you're going to have a king. This is what he's going to be tempted to do. He can't do this. So we're talking about hundreds of years before God was already laying this out for him. So again, Deuteronomy chapter seventeen, fourteen through twenty. Okay. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, "I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me," you may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself, or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, "You shall never return that way again." 
and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest. And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandments, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. Okay, so just very quickly, the three things it said in there very, very clearly and strictly were that the king could not acquire many horses from Egypt, could not acquire a great amount of gold, and could not marry many wives because they would leave his heart astray. And then it talked about how close he needed to be God's, to God's law and written his own and everything. Yeah. Okay. Remind so, yourself of these laws yes. every day. <laughs> so these three things, gold, horses from Egypt, many wives. And so now let it, we're going to look and see that this is the exact three things that are put right here in a very short, quick segment to tell us just how far mm-hmm. Solomon's heart has gone astray, which should just break our hearts. And we go, oh, he's done the very things he shouldn't do. And this book is so closely tied with Deuteronomy. Yes. Uh, but if you're reading it and you haven't read Deuteronomy mm-hmm. ever or anytime recently, yeah. you might not see this so clearly. There's a lot of the connections. But That's it's... Right so important yeah really really is so let's start then by reading this block from first kings chapter 10 just verse 14 through 22. okay now the weight of gold that came to solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the west and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield and he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three uh, three minas of gold went into each shield and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps, and the throne had a round top, and on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrest, while twelve lions stood there, one on each end of the step on the six steps. The like of it was never made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of uh, (laughs) ships of Tarshish at sea, and with the fleet of Hiram, once every three years the fleet of ships of Tarshish used uh, to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus, King Solomon. Oh, that's right the end. There. Okay, I'm no, sorry, I got right all messed there. up with the sh- that's sheep. That's a fleet of sheep. <laughs> the yeah, sheeps. they're actually a fleet of ships. Surprisingly, <laughs> yep. No shepherds needed at this point. This is uh, just though, a very his... interesting. 
paragraph. Well, all the gold. Lavish, lavish, lavish wealth that he has. Silver was his nothing. But the interesting thing, and the way it describes it, of course, we get punched in the face in verse 14 with 666 talents yes. of gold. It's not a good number. Be, no, it's a terrible number. That's a horrible number. Um, it's only brought up two other places in Scripture. One is Ezra 2:13, which is kind of hard to piece together, and you'd have to dig a lot deeper mm-hmm. to figure out what might be going on there with 666 in the middle of multiple other numbers that are there. Um, but then, of course, what we all know is Revelation 13. 18, where 666 is the number of man, and it's obviously bad. It's obviously bad. Um, man without God. Number of man without God. That's what he. Uh, that's what it is. When mankind focuses on himself, um, we could even say it's possibly the number that's associated with Nero. Depending on how you read it, but it's evil there. It's obvious that that's the bad number. That's the evil number. That's the number you don't want to be. Well. Then we have throughout this paragraph, we Several have six hundred. Yes, in verse sixteen, we have a six. In verse nineteen, we have another six. Talking about steps in verse twenty, sixes, six hundred, six sixty-six. All of this in here, and it's all about this lavish wealth, this gold that Solomon keeps accumulating. It and- even. Go ahead. I was just going to say it. Even tells us in verse 14, it's 666 talents of gold in one year, besides that which came from the explorers and from mm-hmm. the business of the merchants and from the kings of the west and from the governors of the land. So Hard to even understand. It yeah. wants us to tell. What it wants us to know is 666 is a right. big number, but there's really even more than that right. coming in. But it's going to make us force force us to look at the 666. Yes. So. And I was struck when I was reading this this time, out loud, <laughs> how this was all about Solomon. Yeah. This is not, you know, the temple mm-hmm. was overlaid in gold and right. all of that. Well, that was good because that right. was what God told him to do, and it was to God, show God God's glory. His, um, yes, it showed God's glory. But this is not in the temple. No, this is not no. in the house of the Lord. Nope. This is in Solomon's area. We're talking area. about personal accumulation. Yeah, right. this is right in here. All his drinking vessels and all, and his throne. The throne and he sits on. Exactly. All of that, the shields and. Yeah. Um, it's all in his area. Yeah. Now it's an ivory throne. It tells us in mm-hmm. verse 18. So what color is it? Obviously, it's a big white throne. Well, we're going to have a great white throne again when we get to Revelation 20 verse 11 that Jesus will sit on. So again, the type is here, but we're seeing the negativity of what happens when people can't live up to Christ-likeness here. This is what—it's not that there are hints of where we're going in the greatness of the one who's coming, but this is what happens when mankind does it and gets their heart caught up in it. They go down a bad road. Right. Uh, and I also there at the end with the mm-hmm. people bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Yeah. It just this again, kind of a neat illusion in a way. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of taking us back to the garden because right. there were all the different kinds of animals. Yes. That in this kingdom, living there, we're getting to see all right. these different animals that are that Solomon quote has dominion over. Well, Adam. Peacocks. Yeah. I mean, he's the, here, yeah, again, he's so. here. He's the second Adam. He's the right. one who. But even in this, yeah, we've talked about this many times already. How this is very Eden-like in a way, but ultimately it's going to be right. not. It's going to not live up to what we had hoped because again, men's hearts 
are not what they should be. I'm surprised and, it doesn't uh, say that he's eating golden fruit from a tree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It does so. kind of give you that impression. But now that we've seen the gold part, okay, we know this one of the three things that he shouldn't have done, which he is doing in great abundance. And we have all these sixes and six, uh, 666 tied to that. Now let's go to the next part, verse 23 through the end of the chapter, 23 through 29, and we will read this piece. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew, and the king's traders received them from Kew at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so the first note, just verse 23 through 25, we get the idea that uh, Solomon's wisdom is still very, you know, he's very wise, very strong. People are still seeking him out for this wisdom. I think maybe there's another little note in verse 25 with a six that's given to us that things aren't quite where they should be. Mm. Every one of them brought his present. And here are the presents, the articles of silver and gold. The articles are the, is the noun. They're made of mm -hmm. silver and gold, but there's articles and then garments and myrrh and spices and horses and mules. So much year by year. Yes. So we actually have seven or six things that are being given mm -hmm. to him um, because of this because of the wisdom that he has. So his wisdom mm -hmm. is going out. Look, God doesn't take your gift away when you start misusing it. That's the interesting thing about right. God or maybe the <laughs> interesting thing about spiritual gifts. He will allow you to misuse your spiritual gift. And a lot of times we misuse it not meaning to and then we get on track slowly and we start realizing, oh, okay, we're supposed to, right. yes, I need to He gives us opportunity to, to make it. We got to grow in it. We got to, yeah. But you can take it and misuse it. God gives people plenty of talents and gifts that we misuse right. we know that's true if god gives somebody a mind for business they might use it to make themselves rich or they might use it for the glory of god's kingdom god gives somebody a you know a gift of creativity they could use it and go astray with it they could paint paintings that are very unfortunately very anti-kingdom very anti-glory of god they could they could run right. down a bad road with it but they could use it to bring glory to God you know this is just the way things work so wisdom can wisdom can be used in the same way um, and Solomon I think what we're seeing here is okay he's got his wisdom string to him but little hint again in the middle of all these sixes and we're not done with the sixes we're about to see him again so it's like right here in the middle of that we have another list of six things that are coming to Solomon because of this 
Then as you read on, we got into right away, verse 26 through the end of the chapter, now we're talking about all the horses from Egypt that Solomon has accumulated. And these chariots, uh, or I should, yeah, these chariots that he's accumulating for 600 shekels each. Surprise, surprise. Another 600. That were nothing to him. Right, and silver's nothing to him anyway. So he's getting them, and then is he selling them to other countries? Absolutely, that's what's happening. He's now trading to other countries, namely the Hittites and the Syrians. I say countries, people. People, people groups. The Hittites and the Syrians, which are going to become thorns in the side of Israel before this book is over. These are the very people that are going to come back at them and be problematic for them before this book of over uh, book is over. And so we see that happening in Second uh, Kings 7 verse 6. We see it happening with Assyria in First uh, Kings 11, 23 through 25. Uh, chapter 20, chapter 22, 2 Kings 5, 7, both the Syrians and the um, Hittites are going to become thorns in the side of Israel later on. And, it's be, and here he is equipping the very people yeah. who are going and, to come against And them. it sounds to me like probably, you know, this doesn't really say it, mm-hmm. but that he's making a profit. I would, st- without question. Oh my goodness, he's an ancient arms dealer. He's become an ancient arms dealer. He's taken the very gifts that, saw, that Yahweh has given, and now he's turning around and using the abundance to get more money, more to acquire more. First of all, chariots and horses of his own from Egypt. Now, this is a sign that you're right. trusting in the world's power. Right. That's what I this mean, is. Look at Isaiah 31 1, That's right. Ezekiel 17 15. This is always a bad sign. Don't acquire horses from Egypt horses from nature that's a problem and that's trusting in the world's power instead of Yahweh Mm -hmm. to keep you good this is like tanks these are like tanks it's like military might power this is what you've got so that's what he's doing here so now so far we've seen he's trusting in gold he's putting all trying to get as much gold as he can as much wealth as he can and power here in this is what he's got um, accumulating Mm -hmm. here and he's getting so much that he's even dealing in it trading in it um, and this is how far it's gone. Wow. So, uh, so again, money, yeah. power. What's the one thing we're missing? Sex. Sex. <laughs> well, here it comes. Get yeah. ready. We're going to accumulate yeah. wives here. It's women, 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 because that shows how, again, the, the thing you want to display how great you are. Um, so we're going to read verse chapter 11, 1 through 8. Okay. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, 
the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Hmm. Okay, wow. so there it is. That's, now we have the third thing. How far we've come from chapter from this nine. Beautiful yeah. kingdom of peace that we had that God was so favored and put his spirit there on the temple and yep, all the Turns out there. God was right. And yes, he was right. Sure enough, the king's hearts will go astray. And then they're just human kings. So even though Solomon is such a great Christ type in so many ways, he's still just human. He falls short. He can't ultimately live up to what we had hoped would be the great king of peace that would prove God's power working through people in this great kingdom. Nope, it's not meant to be an earthly kingdom. It can't be. There's no way it can be ruled by an earthly king and be right and stay right. So that's what we see here. The third of these three things that are mentioned in Deuteronomy, they're right here lined up for us. First the gold, then the horses from Egypt, then the wives that he's accumulated. All of this just Hard goes wise. together. Wow. And this uh, is fairly self-explanatory. It I mean, really it is. puts it right out here. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. He did exactly. He took the wives from exactly where he wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. He accumulated many of them. Yes. They turned his heart, turned his heart away, away from God. Yep. And by the end, it's not holy true. It's not shalom true to yeah. the Lord his God. Yes. It's not at peace. It's not at rest like God, like it should be. Right. I uh, love that. With just yeah. Yahweh. Uh, that's what the word is there. It comes from it's the same root as shalom. And by the end of this paragraph, he's building high places for yep. these other gods. Yep. Exactly, he is building high places for, and it even names them for us, Astra, Milcom, Chamash, Molech. These are awful, awful, yes. horrible gods um, to be, and yet he's built them right here around Jerusalem. Oh my goodness, he's built them right here in Jerusalem um, so that his wives can worship here. I mean, it's really, really disturbing uh, when you think about it. Um, and notice how at verse 7, at the end, Molech, uh, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. Okay, what that means is, remember, the, the temple is built so that it, so that the door to come in faces the east. That way you're walking west when you go in. So here's Yahweh's throne room, uh, and, as, and it's one straight building. So from Yahweh's throne room, you could look out of the door, the front door of the temple, and see in your face, the high place, the high place of Molech and the other places right there um, in his, so it's like they put him right in his face. Uh, um, it's a very, very wow. ugly display. Um, and that's what we're supposed to see. And of course they're to the east, which all the bad things mm -hmm. usually are. You mm -hmm. go east, that's when you get in trouble. And so of course they're to the east, we're not so surprised. So he's taken all this time to build this great temple and it's such a blessing and it's so amazing and we're, on this high with him, and now he's building houses for all these other gods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's yeah. just makes me 
Yeah. It, it is. It's gross. Yes, he built the temple and then he kept on building temples, but they're for all these other ugly, terrible gods. Yeah. Uh, and so we do have a 700 here, 700 wives. That doesn't mean、mm-hmm. it's good. That means it's complete. a complete number of bad alliances that he has put himself into, a complete number of bad covenants that he has. Gotten himself involved in, and, and as if that's not enough, the there's three hundred concubines. Now、so、we're now up to a thousand. thousand. Yeah. yeah, we just have seven hundred wives, but we also have three hundred. So we have the seven hundred plus we have the thousand. You think that was bad? Yeah, we have the seven and the ten here to show us how how far Solomon has gone, as far as he could possibly go, to also involve himself in covenants that are not proper for Yahweh's people. And of course, the type is that the church, when it goes its own way. Winds up involved in、Idolatry. a thousand covenants with worldly things that it should not be in covenant、wow. with, instead of just the one that it should stay true to, which is the Lord. Keeping your eyes on the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's our type. Wow. So, well, that is ugly. We've gone over time. Yep. So yep. we'll stop, but、um, and we'll, we'll pick back up here next.、Time. Jump back in at eleven nine next time and watch as the Lord starts addressing y'all,、uh, Solomon, for help. Bad things have gone. He's done so, what's evil. Yeah. Yeah. Things are going bad now. So, well, we are glad though that you joined us. Thanks for listening.、Uh, I know it's not all pretty, but it is. The lessons for us are abundant, and we really appreciate the time you give us. Can't wait to get into it further with you. God bless everyone. We hope you have a great few days. Talk to you soon.、Mm-hmm.